the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. It's Bat and Stoop, and it's back. Ah. And this time, it's pissed off. But nobody cares. Nobody cares Hello. how we feel. Hey, welcome back, Jeffy. Thank you. Glad you're here. Thank you. Oh, man, what happened? Are you okay? It's good to be back, and I am fighting. was fighting a little bit of the plague, thanks for asking. Oh, man, I hope you're, you're going to feel better soon. <laughs> Wow, there was so much emotion in that. So much, you know, it's too, you, sensitivity. You care. Yeah, man. Is, is everything going to be all right? Is uh, your future bright? Glad you're back. I mean, I was, at one point I was thinking, I mean, Pat and I were talking about it for a couple of uh, hours about how, uh, you know, what happened if you weren't, you didn't come back at all. We actually brought that oh, idea. Oh, but up. we could, heaven forbid. And then we're thinking, how, how... Is that what you were saying, heaven forbid? We, no, I don't think those words escaped well, our lips. We, we did but, say uh, heaven in a couple prayers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about the topic. Really? And then, you know, we were wondering, like, what would it be like if Jeffy wasn't here on a, on a daily basis? No, and, we, we, we just we remembered what we know. And uh, so we just played that little uh, thing that <laughs> we recorded, and it was as if you were here. So we realized, oh, good. well, we really don't need him here, frankly. Mm. Uh... Well, but, yeah, I wasn't going to necessarily include that part of the conversation. But, really? Uh, that is what that it was. Not sound like a good, <laughs> it does not sound like a good plan. Really? No. All right, well. No, it does not. We'll you sure? Because I, I offered on Twitter for you to maybe take a little extra time. No, I, 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 I have Make sure I, you were healthy, you know. I didn't or, miss that. Bounce back all the way, you know. And what if you took like six months to make sure that the bug is really oh, out of yeah, your system? That's a, good, that's a good time. Six First to eight of all, months, something do like that. Not even tease me. <laughs> what if you took like a, a year, year and a half, something like that? Two, two, three years. Yeah, two, five, three, five, I'm four, okay five with years. That. Maybe a decade. Yeah, like what? You if know, you... and then when you're done, we'll see if you want to. We'll reevaluate. Is it time to start paying Jeffy again and bring him back into the building? No, wait a minute. No, no, no we're backing up with the whole patient. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm really concerned about Rosie O'Donnell and her new video game controversy. Um, she tweeted Saturday in an apparent uh, play on Trump's Make America Great Again slogan, the phrase, push Trump off a cliff again. The tweet links to a game in which the player can, as O'Donnell says, make the president jump off a cliff again and again. game allows you to push Trump off a cliff into a volcano or into a T-Rex's mouth. Uh, you know... <clears throat> Uh, they, then they act like nobody should be outraged. If, if anybody had done this with Obama, with Barack Obama, uh, the world would be exploding now. Instead, you don't even hear about this. 
except just now. Yeah. Although yeah. I am, I, I really have a tough time getting worked up about it. It's nothing. It's just a. Well, it's You're killing right. the president. There's, it's not cool. It's just not. It's just. It, they just don't do that. And but they Where, they the, do. They don't care. They yeah. just keep doing it. Yeah, <clears> no, they don't. They don't care. But it's uh, a. I don't care about Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, B. It's a stupid nothing game that now is going to get more attention. You know, mm -hmm. and it's you know again, it's just a stupid thing. It, it, you know, I would say the same if a, if conservatives had pushed Barack off a, a cliff again. Yes, you're right. The media would be freaking out about it. However, I wouldn't be. I would say, eh, come on, it's not that big a deal. I mean, it's never a good idea to joke about that sort of stuff. What if you've inspired one person who's not all there upstairs to push the president to into go, a T-Rex? Go mouth? ahead and push him off into the waiting mouth of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. What if that happened? Well, <laughs> then that would be then, amazing. Then we'd say, well, you got us on that one. You, you know what? Yeah, we'd say. You know what? We should. I guess we shouldn't have made that. Game. We didn't see the Tyrannosaurus, Tyranna, Tyrannosaurus Rex. We didn't see that coming. No, we thought you know, they were all I dead. really did I thought, not see it coming. I thought they were all dead too. Yeah. Um, but you know, hey, it could happen at any time. Uh, the uh, Democrats. Um, there's a. There's a. Uh, let's see. We did that one already. Um, this this quote about Napoleon from Trump yesterday is is the highlight of the interview. Now, Maggie Haberman, and along with two other journalists from the New York Times, did an interview with Trump, and he obviously likes doing these. Um, whether he should be doing them or not is another question, um, but I, I think they're really funny when he does them. This is, uh, this is his quote. Well, Napoleon finished a, a little bit bad, but I asked that. <laughs> so I asked the president. But I asked that. So what about Napoleon? He said, no, no, no. What he did was incredible. He designed Paris. Uh, garbled. The street grid, the way they work, you know, the spokes. He did so many things and even beyond. And his one problem is he didn't go to Russia that night because he had extracurricular activities and they froze to death. I don't know if this is accurate history. Pretty close. Uh, how, uh, how many times has Russia been saved by the weather? Garbled. Uh, several. It, it, he's right in that. Yeah. They've been saved. By Napoleon, and I believe even he had mentioned uh, Hitler. Same same situation. Mm -hmm. The Nazis were pushing right across uh, oh, yeah. Russia, having their way with the Russians, and then all of a sudden, winter set in, and and somebody forgot to send them with winter clothes and provisions. Yeah, I mean, Adolf was not a genius. Uh, no, I will say well, that. he was riddled with a uh, syphilis or something. So Jeffy, well, he wasn't thinking. Oh, properly. I'm sorry. I thought you just said. I'm sorry. I thought you were asking for a comment, <clears throat> Jeffy. You said syphilis. Right. So I just assumed. I'm not my, riddled. My, my, my <laughs> well, it's kept at bay again. And unfortunately, the, uh, the syphilis in your system caught up to the gonorrhea, which is why you're able to come back to work today. Uh, There's a very delicate balance that goes delicate. on. Delicate. You're telling me. Or of diseases. Yeah. Yeah. You're telling me. Yeah. Uh, my doc is like, okay, well, we got to <laughs> make sure we only use so much medication for this. Right. Because I was advocating right. uh, while you were gone that we should inject additional syphilis into your system to beat back the gonorrhea, but you want to keep the natural state of things, I think. Uh, yeah. That may be... Well, you I mean, start messing what, with nature, and who knows what could happen. You know, there's a lot of stuff going to swimming around inside, and uh, I hope it turns out right. So, you, Pat, you're the uh, history expert here. What, so, mm. did, what were the extracurricular activities... Of Napoleon? Of Napoleon. You know, I'm actually not sure uh, mm -hmm. what the extracurricular activities were. And maybe it was a dalliance with a woman or something? I'm... I'm not sure. I didn't know about the extracurricular. I know he Could didn't it, send his troops prepared. I know that. Because he thought they were going to sweep across so fast, right. mm -hmm. they wouldn't need it. Mm -hmm. 
And they did go fast, but not, not fast, fast enough. enough. That was too cold. Yeah. So maybe inter intramural volleyball was the uh, extracurricular It's possible that's activity. one of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so how would Ronald Reagan have replaced Obamacare? Uh, Reagan's views on health care uh, might reform those who think of him as a libertarian absolutist. This is from National Review. Most reasons, uh, uh, readers of Olson's book will be surprised to learn that Reagan embraced universal coverage. In a time for choosing, Reagan celebrated conservative manifesto at Goldwater's 1964 Republican National Convention. Reagan declared, no one in this country should be denied medical care for lack of funds. In a speech to the Phoenix Chamber of Commerce in Goldwater's backyard, Reagan said any person in the United States who requires medical attention and could not provide for himself should have it, should have it provided for him. While Reagan opposed compulsory health insurance through a government bureau for people who don't need it or have a few million dollars tucked away, he championed the Kerr-Mills Act of 1960, a law introduced by two Democrats that gave federal money to states with which they to provide medical care for the elderly in need. Let me, said, let me guess. One of the Democrats' name was Kerr, and the other might have been uh, Mills? No. no. No? Okay. One was Mills I, and one was Kerr. All right. Um, Reagan said that he was in favor of this bill, and if the money isn't mm. enough, I think we should put more in. 1960s, Reagan opposed Medicare for two principal reasons. Participation was mandatory, and because Medicare spent scarce taxpayer funds to subsidize coverage for wealthy people, even millionaires who didn't need help. Yeah, I'm, pro uh, providing a safety net for the poorest among us is not the same as universal health care. No. Not the same. Uh, agreed. Um, you know, and this is, I'm a big uh, believer in means testing of uh, every program. Every single one of them, including uh, Medicare. Um, in fact, probably number one should be Medicare, uh, because really, Bill Gates does not need your money to pay for his health care. It's not uh, something that's needed. It's starting to move a little bit that way. There's been some changes over the years that have made that happen a little bit uh, indirectly. Mm -hmm. uh, however, it's not enough. I mean, you, let's be honest about it. I mean, the Jeffies of the world that's, that have you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in small bills, uh, you know, uh, stacked in a storage unit somewhere from meth uh, reserves, uh, does not need your taxpayer money for health care. He can pay for it himself, okay? Uh, that's, he's either rich or poor, no matter what we need him. I know. He's either really rich or really poor. <laughs> uh, but the point is, uh, you, you know, Bill Gates, Michael Bloomberg, these people do not need your, your money for, for health care, and they shouldn't have it. Uh, you know, I, I think the issue here is we uh, get locked in by this idea that universal is good. Universal programs aren't. I can't. I can't do it. I tried. I tried to get through it. I tried, Jeffrey. I tried. What? I thought you'd hear it and turn it off. I tried to get through it. Oh, am I looking good? Yeah. Now I'll give you a big and that you're sick, and that perhaps I really did think it was off. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bending down, working. I apologize. Do you, do you have your headphones in, or are you able to hear the sound of the radio television show? I will say this, Jeffy. Without you here, at no time did we have a Darth Vader sound effect well, then, play in the middle of the It's going to be back, isn't it? I, I just saying, we missed it is. you. We missed that's you, fun. is what I'm that's saying. That's fun. We missed you. Uh, Reagan approach <laughs> to health care uh, is worth revisiting, says the National Review. 
could involve repealing Obamacare's individual mandate and repealing a similar mandate that forces people to participate in Medicare. It could involve a robust system of tax credits and health savings accounts to help fund uh, to help the poor afford the coverage and care that they need instead of forcing them to depend on single payer programs like Medicaid. And it could roll back federal subsidies, whether through Medicare or the tax code for those who don't need them. A coherent Reagan-style reform could dramatically reduce federal spending and taxes, especially over the long term, by focusing our expenditures on those who are truly in need. And this is what I was saying about universal programs. There should be none. Mm-hmm. No such thing as a universal program. Mm-hmm. There should only be welfare programs. And people are like, well, I hate welfare programs. I don't want them. Well, welfare, welfare programs uh, target a conservative value, which is helping the least in need. I don't believe the government should be doing it. We can go over that. I am sort of an a libertarian absolutist or at least somewhat close to it when it comes to these issues. However, if you're going to have a government program that's going to spend money to do things, it should never, ever do it for everybody. It should only do it for people who are really in need. The, the least among us that have no income, that have no uh, uh, you know, ability to pay. That I mean, have no friends, no family, and no lifeline from like a church or any other community yeah, person. It's the last resort. It's the last resort. The government is the very last resort. And so it shouldn't happen very often, mm-hmm. right? There's only a few people who would qualify yeah. under those conditions. Well, one, one, one simple way to do this, and it's not <clears throat> politically simple, but let me give it to you. Eliminate Medicare completely. You say, wait a minute, what about the people who are on Medicare that need it? They would go on Medicaid. Mm-hmm. People who are on Medicaid can get money when they need, they can get money for health care when they need it. But Medicare is a dumb program. It's dumb. It's a stupid program. And you say, wait a minute, I use it. It's great. Well, uh, you can get if, if you are in need and you don't have money, then there is a process to go through. And Medicaid is that process. Right. It's, it, it gives health care to people yeah. who don't have the money to pay for it. Uh, Medicare says we give health care to people who are older than general working age. Like that, that is not a, that's, a, that's not a sensible way to think about it. It should only be people who absolutely need it. Uh, and then that would cut your, your expenditures by a very large amount. Uh, and it would, you know, you want to talk about balancing the budget with one thing. Eliminate Medicare and just keep it Medicaid. Medicaid would cover all the people who needed money for Medicare. Uh, for Medicare. And, and, and look, there are some different things here. You could even up the Medicaid benefits uh, as you went uh, towards uh, retirement ages. I mean, there are ways to handle those sorts of transitions, but the idea that you would cover everyone over an age just because they're over an age is so silly. It's also not the way it was set up in the no, first place. not at all. I mean, everybody extols the virtues of FDR. That's not the way he intended that program. Nope. Go back and look. Uh, we should, I mean, that's what we should tell these stupid Democrats. Go back and look at the intent here. Now, I know people have come to rely on it and think they need it and think they have it coming to them and think it's a right. It isn't. Nope. And there's another thing we need to put a stop to is... This is the only country in the world where health care is a privilege, not a right. Well, good. Yes, because we've got a constitution like nobody else has, too, that specifies some of these things. And it's not a right. It's not. So and it's also not true. I mean, you know, you go look and first of all, health care is impossible to get in these countries. So is it a right? You could say it's a right. But if you can't get the care, who cares? Yeah. If Beyond you, that, you if, know, if you're in dire straits, and you got to wait six months for your surgery. That's not much of a right. And look at the out of pocket payment rates in places like Switzerland. They're much higher than the United States. You know, there are there are a lot of systems. I think the idea that the government provides, and by the way, let's be honest about it here. Everyone who's over 65 is on government-payer, single-payer health care in this country. People who are poor are on government health care. Children 
are on government health care in many circumstances. Mm-hmm. There is only the middle class and wealthy working age people that are not covered by government health care already. So that is a big deal. You know, like we act as if this doesn't already exist. We already cover almost, I mean, we already cover, a, what, a third of the nation? I mean, it's 209 million people, I believe, uh, that are, have their own insurance, right? Some mm-hmm. of them would, it would, it would qualify for government insurance, but they have, you know, jobs. So they get it another way. But we, all, we already have programs set up to, 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 uh, to nail pretty much everybody who needs it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only the only issue here is people who are let's say you're you're making 40 grand a year and your your insurance is too expensive. Um, you know, that is a, a tough area because of the fact that you're too wealthy. Or you make too much money for uh, for Medicaid um, and you're not old enough for Medicare. So that, that's an, a, an interesting pocket to target. You know, there is something to, to do there. I like Rand Paul's solution there where you would buy longer term uh, health care plans uh, like life insurance over a longer period of time. I think um, there's really something to the idea of providing catastrophic care for those people where, okay, you get up to a certain, you know, a, a real a real insurance plan, not we prepay medical expenses, but a real insurance plan where if something really bad goes on, you can get that type of insurance incredibly inexpensively uh, and cover a lot of people really cheaply when it comes to government program standards. But So there are things you could do. Um, I don't know that I uh, am in love with the, the, the particular Reagan plan outlined here. I've heard him talk many times very conservatively uh, and libertarian sounding about health care as well. So I'm sure you can pick out some mm-hmm. some things here and there that don't agree with that. Uh, but I mean, overall, there are improvements. There's no reason to even do what Republicans were trying to do, which is dump subsidy money at people in those areas so they can afford prepayment of, of your sore throat visits. It makes no sense. It does not make sense as a program for the government. Can we take a close-up of this uh, incredible photo and just soak it in for a second? I mean, Mm. oh, look at those two. Two of the best world leaders in office at the same time in world history. Wow. Man, are we a long way from that. Obviously, uh, Ringo Starr and Nancy Sinatra. (laughs) The two that we're talking about, in case you're on Blaze Radio. (laughs) If you're on Blaze Radio, it's Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher. Oh, I'm, I'm my mistake. So the uh, OJ situation is, I get they're, they're scheduled for the hearing, and it's at this hearing whether. We find out uh, if he's going to be released, right? In October. Yeah, the parole uh, sets up so that he can be paroled in, I think it's October. <laughs> It'll, in October, it will have been nine years incarceration. Right. And nine I think it years. is. I think you and I are the only ones that just say, let the man out. It seems like it. It seems like <laughs> let it. Let the man out. Come on. Nine years for this crime? Now, Stop I, it. I think he rolled, I was reading in one article where he rolled the dice on this nine years or 33-year sentence where he thought, in the beginning, because he, he had been offered a plea deal. Oh, uh, to, really? And he didn't take it. Oh, boy. Thinking he was... Uh, he was going to win? And he, that he was invincible and he was good. Wow. And so... That's a bad calculation on his part, isn't yes, it? Yes, it was. So instead of taking the... He could have been out... The article... I, I was looking for it. I, I can't bring it up fast enough for us to talk about it. But it seemed to me the plea deal was two or three years. 
And he was like, no. And so when he was found guilty, then I think the minimum was the nine years for within the framework of this, of what he was found guilty of. Mm. Right? So 33 years was the max, but obviously the judge said, oh, well, you're going to get the max then, 33 years. And so the minimum is nine years, and that's where you're at. It seems awful harsh. <laughs> yeah, it but, does. But he, but he could have been out in three. Wow. Had he done the plea deal, right? So. Uh, okay. Well, we'll I see. I know. We'll see. I know. And, uh, and now they've thrown in this new element where I, he was doing something by himself in the cell, that. and he got caught, and they're saying that could jeopardize his parole? Yeah. Uh, according to the that would also be pretty harsh if that if that's that would the be case. very harsh that would yeah, be very wrong I mean he's in the fed the prison that he's in he he isn't it isn't like uh, um, San Quentin he's not down Rikers in, Island he's not down in Gen Pop <laughs> you know he's, uh-huh. and he's living he's in prison yes but but he's not breaking rocks okay. Yes, I mean he's. This is one of the nicer facilities. Yes, and really. he's and he's got a pretty good mm. life as far as prison life goes. Now, how do so you, be how you know that? How do you know that? I've just been reading about it a little bit. Have you? It's been fasc- like, wh- like I'm fascinated to know see the life. Does he have bars at the TV and internet available to him? Or yeah, and he he works. He has a couple different things that he takes care of at the prison. And if the the pic- couple of pictures of a cell that I saw, if that's his, I mean. I, you know, it's bigger than my box. <laughs> <laughs> Under the bridge. <laughs> and so, you That's know. not saying much, though, Jeffy. You know, that's not saying much. I, but I still, realize that. I mean, you, you didn't commit this particular crime, so you should probably have better living circumstances Thank than OJ you. does. Thank you. Uh, all right. Caitlyn Jenner was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, and uh, Kimmel, like all of these late-night Idiots! No, doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, and uh, Caitlyn Jenner kind of schools him on taxes. Do you regret voting for President Trump? Uh, I don't agree with everything he's doing, uh, but I, I have okay, been, uh, good. always been uh, I'm older. No, been, you know, I, I grew up in a country <laughs> where you actually said the Pledge of Allegiance. Tell me that's not good. That's not good. And I have a. <laughs> um, really? Can I believe in limited government? I believe in limited government. I believe in the people of this nation, not government. And so, wow. nice. um, and Good. that kind of makes me on mm-hmm. the Republican side. And so uh, he was our candidate. Uh, I, I never really outwardly came out and supported him. Uh, I supported the, whoever the Republican candidate was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the press kind of put you there. Um, and there, there are some things that I think he's done is very good. Um, uh, <laughs> what? You know, this. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, that's a good one. <laughs> and you believe in our Constitution. I'm glad uh, Neil Gorsuch for the. Uh, OK, all right. Uh, for the Supreme Court. Gotcha. I think it's a very good decision. He's okay, lowered regulations right. um, in a lot of different uh, uh, businesses uh, to help business you know, get going. I don't want massive regulations. I don't want massive taxes, especially, you know, we're the highest taxed country. Or, Not uh, true. Highest Incorrect. Taxed, highest taxed corporate tax in, in like, in the world. In the world. I'll have to look it up, but you I don't know. Yeah, because you're a moron, and you don't know what the hell Incorrect. Corporate tax in the world, and, and massive <sighs> regulations. So it's tough for anybody to do business here in the United States. And I would like to see the United States the best place in the world to do business. Yeah, me too. Uh, wow. Oof. That's hard to... I mean, uh, <laughs> Caleb looking good. 
No. I mean, that's yes. it. all dressed up and nowhere to go. Well, no, she had somewhere to go. She went to Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, yeah, she was on Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, yeah. Is that her actual hair now, or is that a, like a wig? Do we know? I think the answer to that is yes. <laughs> it is her natural hair, and it's a wig? I think that's a yes. Yeah, I think Wh- that's just like some extensions is part of the real yeah. deal. Okay. Because that's not bad. The coloring's not bad. Do we know, has Caitlin had the surgery? To become actually a woman, or are we just pretending? I don't still? think so. I think we're still pretending. Not a woman. So, I mean, the, the voice is the same, right? A little bit higher. The voice is, the is plastic the surgery. Sense. Bruce Jenner's that, that, voice that side coming shot. out of that person. <laughs> that side shot right there shows uh-huh. that uh, we've had some <laughs> serious uh, work done. That mm. the, I mean, we just stop with the knife cutting. Stop it. Stop it. I, I mean, cutting. it's not. That's what, I mean, you're all, everybody's two or three cuts away from clown face. And it's it's like, stop. who was the comedian that said, we're all supposed to pretend she's this beautiful woman? Jim Norton. Yeah. <laughs> and Isn't that is true. Beautiful? Isn't she, be- uh, she no. is beautiful. Now, yeah, I, I, no. I thought she had had the surgery. Oh. I thought that did occur. I'm gonna, right. I don't think so. Can we check so. on that, Jeffy? Yes, I don't think she has. I'm sure you have some uh, photos or whatever. Um, can we uh, check on that and see if, like, I think the surgery did happen. Okay. Really? Uh, I could be yeah, because I thought I'd seen something like that too. Yeah, but uh, I mean, anyway, obviously, right on the corporate, right on the tax corporate taxes, taxes, right on, and oh, that's not true. We don't have high. Now, <laughs> they're not the highest in the world, obviously. Overall, but taxation. they're damn high, and I'll bet he has no idea. Yeah, overall taxation is not the highest in the world. No. However, corporate, corporate taxes, taxes are yeah. highest uh, of, in the of world the, of the uh, you know. Developed economies. Well, they're only tied for the highest in the non-developed. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. I mean, it's the highest in the world, and that includes Burundi and all those, yeah, all so those wonderful places. So the average uh, is twenty-four point one percent. Ours is thirty-nine point one percent. According to the Tax Foundation, the U.S. is exceeded by only two non-developed countries. Oh, it is exceeded. The, the UAE at fifty-five percent. Just saw that, and I didn't. Uh, huh? And wow. Chad at forty percent. Oh, okay. But That's Chad, why I don't Chad do business in Chad. I was I was going to start up a uh, a couple of businesses in Chad, and then I found out they had really high tax. Well, rate. I actually started up uh, UberChad.com, um, but apparently Uber, like they own the rights to that in in other countries as well. I can't I can't just oh. call myself Uber and just say I'm an Uber in Chad. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, which is unfortunate. Hmm. But uh, they, uh, you can, I guess that would not be a good place to start a business, Chad. No. Um, and UAE, of course, has a, a very um, very specific situation um, with with oil revenues and and such that make their rate a little bit different. It's it's there for a different reason. I mean, they you know um, we can go into that I guess at another time. But the point is, ten uh, percent I think is legitimate. Uh, right now they're talking about lowering it to ten or fifteen mm-hmm. uh, here in the United States in this in this next tax reform package. Now most of the tax reform uh, benefits are going to go to co- uh, corporations really out of this. Uh, proposed Trump reform. I mean, the, 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 the individual rates are not really going to change that much. The idea, hopefully, being that people will be able to hire more. I mean, look, if you cut, you, you cut the rates from 39.1% to 10%, people are going to hire a lot more people. I mean, that's going to, if he can actually get that done, that is going to be a major difference for businesses. Uh, and, I, I, you know, look, we, the healthcare thing I think is important. Um, they should have repealed it, obviously. Uh, I would like to see something else talked about, but get this done. This is this is this should be there's no conservative who opposes uh, tax reform and you can get this done with just Republicans. The other thing I like about it is 
it's unlike healthcare, where you shave a, a little bit off of the subsidies we're giving for Obamacare. Not that all that impressed by it. With tax rates, anything that's lower is better. Mm. Uh, really, anything that's lower is better. So if you can, you know, whatever, if you, can, if you can't get to 10%, you can only get to 20 from 39.1, that's still going to be a nice change. It's still going to be a really positive thing. If you can't go from, you know, 43.8% uh, thir- uh, or whatever it is now, I think it's with, with some of the additional taxes, it's about 43.8%. Um, if you can't get from 43, 44.8 to uh, 20, 10, all right, but what can you get to? Can you get to 33? I think that was the proposal. Um, there was one 33, it was another 35. It's, it's not great. It's pretty crappy, actually, but it's better than what we have. I, you know, more money in the pockets of the people who earn it. It's an easy principle for conservatives to agree on. It would change and really help the economy. Jo- Trump has talked about it being, wanting to be the guy about jobs this whole time. You can do it with this type of, of, of plan. Be aggressive, lower those rates. You know, we talked about this during the campaign. In the campaign, he, he proposed a really... Uh, it was not a, the best tax rate of all the candidate, uh, tax plan of all the candidates by any means. However, it did have nice low rates. Uh, and then he released his actual plan, and it was nowhere close to that. I have a feeling we're going to be winding up moving for, from that even more left. Uh, but the yeah, bottom line probably. is get us more money in our pockets and let us do what we, what we want to do with it. Do you have one ounce of confidence they're going to? Oh, no. I don't. Did I, did I, say, did I, I at any point I don't. indicate that I had confidence this was going to occur? I hope not. Because if so, that was a huge mistake. It would be like if I said, Jeffy, I love you and you're great. Oh, I you're love a great you too. guy. Thank you very much. That would be I that really appreciate it. I, I, I want to take this moment to apologize to Caitlyn Jenner, though, because Caitlyn uh, has had successful surgery. I thought so, yeah. Uh, earlier this year. She did. So you okay. can all stop staring. All right. Uh, she, she spoke did. of it after the successful surgery. And said, look at her. Look at how beautiful she is. Have you right? ever seen a more beautiful woman? Ever? Have you ever? Well, seen yes. a more beautiful woman. She was just tired of tucking. You have? Are you yeah. saying you have seen a more beautiful woman than Caitlyn Jenner? Yeah, there's a documentary. It's uh. called Atomic Blonde. And, uh, <laughs> in it, uh, no, it's a... Uh, I, I don't think now we have to say that anymore, do we? Right. Because when, it, when she was a man uh, posing as a woman, we had to say she was a beautiful woman. But now that she's a woman, can't we just judge her on the woman's scale? Well... As far as I'm concerned, yes. Again, I think then, I think we could say she's not all that beautiful of a woman. How dare you? So, that's all right. Hey, look, I'm not a beautiful man. You know, I, like, uh, I got news for you. We're not, the, the reason why beautiful is interesting is because it's a little rare. It's a commodity. Uh, you know, if, if 10% of the population is beautiful, I'd be surprised. It's a very difficult thing to achieve, and it's why you know pretty much everybody who's hot. Uh, there's not a lot of us out there. <laughs> that's for sure. Sometimes you say things, and I, don't, I, I almost sure. wonder if you heard the last thing I said. <laughs> really? Yeah. I just... I All just, right. Uh. More patents, too, coming up. <laughs> That's a beautiful woman, though, right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, yeah well, look, look at that. that. Uh, for a woman. Uh, She's wonderful. And wow. Beautiful. 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 Uh, More hysteria from Al Gore. Uh, His sequel is coming out soon. Part two to an inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power, uh, opens in limited release July 28th and then expands August 4th. We got to go to that. We got to go to that. That'd be fun. We got to go. Oh, really? And just laugh. Uh, We should do what you did. Remember you did this last time. Yeah. You brought a meteorologist with you. Mm Mm-hmm. 
to see if it was really. And we laughed. And he laughed. He laughed at it. I mean, it was nonsense. Mm. Uh, Al says, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, we did an inconvenient truth. Its predictions are coming true. Are they, Al? <laughs> are they? Seas overflowing, storm changes, air changes, temperature rising, surges like Superstorm, Hurricane Sandy. So not only did he use Superstorm, he threw in the lie of hurricane. So it's Superstorm Hurricane now, uh, Sandy. Because it was a hurricane. It just wasn't a hurricane when it did its damage. No, when it got too short, it was a superstorm. <laughs> it was a hurricane out You the can't have the it both ways. Either mm-hmm. it's a superstorm or it's a hurricane. Mm-hmm. It was not a hurricane. Superstorm. Uh, there's still time to avoid catastrophe. That means working faster, learning, buy the book, See the movement. Make me wealthy. (laughs) When when conversions on the subject accelerate switches to alternate methods. I mean, that's great though. I mean, such garbage. His two top pieces of advice are things that make him rich. Yeah, stunningly, which is always the case. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what it's about for him, and he's got to sell the slop, or uh, a lot of his investments don't bring him cash. Buy more environmentally friendly products, which sends stores a signal. Join this subject's friendly movements. Attend citizen town hall meetings. Institute informative emails. Ask, will politicians' votes be good on climate control? Confirm your buildings are properly insulated. Uh, What do we do in-house? We change energy outputs, solar and wind appliances. Now, this guy, who's such an advocate... Lived in that 10,000-square-foot Tennessee mansion for years and did nothing to it. He retrofitted it right before he sold the stupid thing because he had to because he was getting all kinds of flack from people that, like, your house isn't even, you don't even practice what you preach. What are you talking about? Well, I'm retrofitting it now. So he retrofit his house because that, that email circulated. It was one of the few spam emails that turned out to be actually true. Mm-hmm. The comparison between George Bush's um, Crawford home and his. Now, George Bush's Crawford home was completely environmentally friendly. I mean, it was it, it had recirculated water. It, it had solar panels. It uh, it stored energy. It stored water. I mean, it was really something. And Al Gore just wasted. It said um, he used twenty times the energy of the average American. Which 20, is 20 times. Time. I mean, that's what people don't understand. He, he's a hundred times the man, but only <laughs> right. 20 times the energy. That's it's called so saving that energy. That shows that he's putting his, his, uh, his theory to work, is putting his, uh, his theory where his mouth is. Yeah. He's really, really living the life. He's really, really impressive, and uh, I think we should he's all try to be more like him. Such a fraud. Such an absolute fake fraud. And a dangerous guy, because he does this hysteria everywhere he goes, and then... And people start buying into it. They teach their children this crap. And pretty soon it's going to hurt us badly. It's, I mean, when we finally do this $15 trillion investment, or he wants $90 trillion, uh, it is going to bankrupt a lot of businesses. It is going to cripple the United <laughs> you States. Think, you think $90 trillion would bankrupt yeah, a lot of businesses? Yeah, I really do. I don't know. Yeah, I really do. I'm on the fence on that one. Are you? Uh, that, yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem like... It's one of those things where... Uh, it can't possibly, it can't, it just feels like it can't happen, but it probably will. 
Yeah, it probably you will. Know, it probably will be one of those things that they actually get their $50 trillion out of it. And uh, Because all... look what he's saying here. Mm. The predictions are coming true. No they're, no, they're no, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. Seas are overflowing? Where? Where are seas overflowing? I mean, does a storm like Sandy make them momentarily overflow? Yes. Yeah, it's a storm storm. And then they go back to where it was. That's mm-hmm. always happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, storm changes? What the hell does that mean? Storms always change. It's, they'll storm and then they'll not. It's like uh, clammy hands. If you remember from um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, he says he has <clears throat> clammy hands because it's a good non-specific symptom. Like it doesn't necessarily indicate you should go to the doctors, uh-huh. but, it's a, but it doesn't actually say like, oh, we can test him for flu. He's got flu. No, clammy hands is very nonspecific. So when the parents would come and ask, he'd be able to kind of just brush it off into general sickness, kind of like how Jeffy was faking it the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, uh, it's the same thing. Changing storms is a nonspecific nothing. Yeah, what is that? Right? It's just a nothing. So, and then the next one, too. Air changes. So there's storm changes and air, <laughs> air changes. changes. What? It got windy today and that changed the air? Yes, I guess. Well, my understanding is uh, some predictions from Dr. Maslowski. Uh, in some in of the summer thumb, months, thumb uh, there month. could be, could be <laughs> could. some... Uh, perhaps, melting, perhaps maybe. in the future, uh, in <laughs> maybe, perhaps, uh, and then if, if that happens, could be something else. So how about that? Calamity hands pisses me off. It really does piss mm-hmm. me off. Now there's new research that, that suggests uh, T-Rex was far slower than than even the movies suggest. Uh, so I guess they couldn't run after that vehicle. Like you know, remember the no. vehicle in Jurassic Park? No, or? I had the documentary footage. Watch. Oh, we had that. Yeah. Let's let's take a look at Check that. Check it out. It was, you'll see how fast come he on, is. Come on, come on, come on. We gotta get out of here. Gotta get out of here now, now, right now. Go, go, go. Let's go. Hey. Start the engine. This is such crazy. Oh boy. Now watch how fast he is. Here he comes. A speeding vehicle. Must go faster. And he is keeping right on up. Great. That's I so love good. that objects in mirror are closer than they appear. That's great. That's awesome. That was a great scene. It's a good it's scene. It's a great scene. Well, it's documentary footage, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, so not a scene. Obviously. They make it sound like it's not even real. But now that scientists at the University of Manchester have utilized new technology to make a surprising discovery, uh, it was actually incapable of running, as suggested in the movie. Uh, in fact, doing so would actually have broken the dinosaur's legs due to all the weight. Wow. Uh, that that just changes everything. So you well, just... you know, it's interesting because they had a scientific consensus, Pat, that these things. Were yes, running. they did. <laughs> and now they no longer have a scientific consensus. Huh. It's weird because how that someone happens. said that it was not what they were saying before was not true. That, well, can that be? Yeah. Is it possible? I'm having a real tough time following the storyline because yeah. none of it seems possible. It was previously believed the T Rex could run 45 miles an hour. Yeah, the T Rex was in with the Jeez. with the the bird dinosaurs, right? One of the fast ones that would move in flocks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now they're saying, oh, they would have five to fifteen would have broken his legs. I mean, I don't know why they go oh. through all this science stuff, Jeffy. What were they like? What were the T Rexes like? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if anyone can uh, can understand how it feels to uh, be afraid to run because you don't want to break your legs, it's me. <laughs> Okay, I got it. But. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. 
Also, I don't recall exactly. And you do have, just to be clear, severe knee problems. <laughs> this is not. Uh, <laughs> it's not even a joke. <laughs> All right, sorry. Jeff. Have either of you guys seen a, a movie trailer called Atomic <laughs> Blonde? Really? D. Atomic. Uh, well, we did just see a movie. What is it? Atomic Blonde. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure how you pronounce this, but uh, sounds intriguing. So we thought we'd uh, I'd bring I'd bring huh. this uh, trailer to you. Oh, okay. Is that how you, you guys, pronounce it? You guys, that... I think. Does that mean I'm... I feel like I could probably, by memory now, recreate this in drawings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a Focus Features uh, event. I didn't I didn't realize that before. Agent hunting our operatives in Berlin. She seemed to be smoking there. It's not healthy. Mm-mm. Who did this? Oh. Remember, trust no one. You can't fight like that without pulling that turtleneck up. Yeah, I, I don't know why she pulls the tur turtleneck up. But what was your first impression? Disastrous. Berlin has its own set of rules. I trust you, that as far as Actually, every locality has its own set of rules. Um. <laughs> but then you knew that, didn't you? <laughs> It's actually why they have a local government to pass uh, mm -hmm. certain regulations, restrictions, uh, zoning laws. There's probably a rule against this right here. That seems to be the clock is ticking. Except for, again, safe belts are one of the regulations that you would need to follow. Charlize Theron is in this. Uh, oh. I don't know. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's exhilarating and visually sumptuous. Yeah. Yes. We full out agree. We don't normally agree with the Daily Beast, but today we're there with you. It's atomic, Pat. It's oh, is that what it is? Oh, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure how you pronounced atomic, those, my gosh. those two words because I'm so unfamiliar with the uh, whole It seems thing. so highbrow. I would assume it's a foreign film. Uh, yeah, um, it looks like and, uh, it. And that's like why it. You, the pronunciation right. might be different. Than Apparently, right. she bruised uh, very easy making this movie, so it was a difficult time for her to film this movie, and I hope she better now. Is that true? Is that yes. a natural fact? Yes. Mm. All right. Did you True. do some research while you were off? I may have read a little bit about, uh, a, what was it, a top? A ta Atomic Blonde? <laughs> More Pat and Stu coming up in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> every day they're going to see this trailer. Jeffy found it felt like sharing with us, so that's we right. don't have to talk anymore. Oh, that's, that's right. Oh, yeah, I that's right. I have to do a segment now. Let's see if we can find something that goes good with milk. <laughs> Welcome right. back, Jeffy. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Congratulations are in order to uh, Elon uh -huh. Musk. For what? Uh, he's got verbal agreement to uh, build the Hyperloop from New York City to Washington, D.C. Yeah, okay, that'll, that's coming right up. Verbal <laughs> agreement. Yeah. <laughs> That's I have right agreement up. on my multi-hundred billion dollar process. Congratulations. Is he uh, breaking uh, ground on that right now and getting that tube started? Uh, Let's no, get it but done. He, uh, tweeted, he tweeted this morning. Let's uh, get just it done. Just received verbal uh, government approval for the boring company to build an underground New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, D.C. hyperloop. That's exciting. New York to D.C. in 29 minutes. Wow, the whole thing's underground. They're going to build it like a 2,500 mile That's underground. That's what the man says. Wow. 29 minutes? That's not bad. 
nice. It's not bad. bad. That's unreal. <laughs> I mean, a plane, a flight is wow. what? Wow. From, from four hours? No. From no. LA to New York? New York to no, it's not LA to New York. It's LA to DC. Or New York DC. to DC. Oh, New York to DC. Oh, I, I thought it you're was. You're not traveling across the country oh, okay. in 29 minutes. Okay. Now I that th- would be something. Th- yeah. I mean, now you're talking. Now you're going, you know, what? A couple thousand miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could fly. That's, so. that's the issue with these weird transport things, is you can just fly. In these times, you now, could. there's issues with security and stuff, but security is going to be an issue on the Hyperloop too. Yes, um, I don't think you're going to walk onto it like you're walking onto a train. No way. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, and a couple of days ago, I know I've been sick, but did you guys have an opportunity to go uh, to the uh, ACC uh, here in Dallas and uh, see uh, the performance by? Uh, 81-year-old, or 76-year-old uh, Neil Diamond? Neil, no, no, I did not. <laughs> no. Uh, man, did I, I want to go to that. I missed that. Wow. Well, was, I, man, did I want to go to that. There's, there's, uh, <laughs> there's a 76-year-old Neil in performance. And he, his he, 50th he, anniversary tour? Fit, yeah, 50th tour. His drummer was his original drummer, who is 81. Good golly. Uh, so I mean, I had the r- real pleasure and honor to see him in, like, 19... 19- 92 maybe mm. in Hartford really and uh, wow was it I bet you it was almost as good something. as it was here in Dallas a couple nights ago probably I uh, heard some I mean, high reviews of uh, the show really mm-hmm. who went that you know uh, we had a couple people here that went uh, really? that's sad Welcome back. 888-727-BECK is the phone number. Uh, we are kind of in the middle of OJ Watch right now as OJ Simpson uh, is going to his parole hearing, in which it does seem like everybody expects him to be released pretty soon. And he's not going to walk out of the courtroom today and walk out, you know, I guess it would be a couple months. Is that right, Jeffy? October 1st, I think, right? October, yeah. Uh, okay, October, uh, if it were to happen. But he's got the big parole hearing uh, today. Uh, it's an interesting case. We've talked about it for, I mean, gosh, this has been in our lives for how many years now? It's incredible. Forever. I mean, almost 30 years this has been a story for uh, for America. And uh, we have John Ziegler on with us. Uh, John, of course, is a friend of the program and uh, is... Uh, He's uh, does stuff for Mediaite, and you definitely should follow him on Twitter and everything else. Uh, we brought you on, uh, John. Actually, initially we had talked to you. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about a particular Trump uh, column you wrote uh, last week. Although the, the OJ uh, timing here is uh, pretty interesting, I had no idea that you actually kind of had an involvement in this case going back. Can you kind of tell us about how that started? Well, first of all, great to talk to you guys again. And as you know, as you've gotten to know me, I, I tend to get into involved in some pretty weird situations <laughs> in my no. life and career. No. Uh, but this one is the most bizarre I've ever been involved with. And it's not an exaggeration to say that uh, I played a fairly significant, although small, role in why O.J. Simpson is currently in prison. And by the way, that's not my opinion. That's the opinion of the guy O.J. Simpson got convicted of robbing a guy by the name of Alfred Beardsley. Uh, you have to read the column I wrote for Mediaite to get the full story on it because it is incredibly involved. But here's the bottom line of what happened. This whole uh, bizarre fiasco 
was many years in the making. And there was a domino effect that started with really the key dominoes. And the real credit here goes to the Goldman family. Uh, Fred and Kim Goldman, uh, who I got to know pretty well because, bizarrely, I dated Kim Goldman fairly seriously for a while as a talk show host in Los mm, Angeles. Wow. They, they, they are obviously the family of Ron Goldman, who O.J. Simpson murdered. And they got a... Whoa, 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 whoa. O.J. Simpson was found not guilty of murder in 1994, John. He was not aware of that, I guess. Shockingly, I don't put a lot of stock in that. Oh, wow. 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 I prefer to to live in the real world where O.J. Simpson killed All right, okay. And was held civilly liable for that to the tune of $33.5 million. And the for which they've not received one penny, right? The Goldmans well, have not gotten any money. I, I take great they. pride in the fact that the first check they ever got came through me because oh. I bet Alfred Beardsley. This is how this whole story began. So the Goldmans deserve all the credit for keeping the pressure on. They, they did not give up, and they made O.J. Simpson go underground and deal with incredibly disreputable people. I mean, I'm talking the scum of the earth. And Alfred Beersley was an insane person who was an O.J. Simpson wannabe friend. Okay, he, he worshipped O.J. Mm. And he was trying to do an O.J. Simpson autograph session 600 yards from my apartment in Burbank, California, uh, about uh, 12 years ago. And I went down to the autograph dealer and I said, we got two choices here. You're either going to cancel this or I'm going to make your life a living hell. And he said, uh, talk to Alfred Beardsley. So I had Alfred Beardsley on my show. I bet him $1,000 this was not going to happen over my dead body. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he said, okay, fine. Uh, well, sure enough, I was right. I stopped the thing from happening. And he paid me $100, which I gave to the Goldmans. It was in the name of Fred Goldman because that was the whole point. And so um, mm. while they've not received any official money, they have received some things uh, in this entire uh, bizarre world situation. I take pride in the fact that, according to Fred, the first check he ever got was from me through <laughs> Alfred Beardsley indirectly because of this whole situation. So anyway, the, the disruption of that autograph event created a schism between Albert Beersley and a guy by the name of Thomas Riccio. Well, if we fast forward to that event in Las Vegas, and there were many other things that happened in between, which I talk about in the column, it is the schism between Riccio and Beersley which sets O.J. Simpson up. Because it is Riccio who set the meeting up between Beersley and O.J., even though neither one knew the other was the person they were meeting with, which is the key to the whole thing. Mm. Because I maintain... I maintain that if O.J. Simpson had just known he was meeting with Alfred Beardsley and Beardsley knew he was meeting with O.J., that none of this would have happened. Because <laughs> Beardsley loved O.J. so much wow. that he would have simply given O.J. his stuff back in exchange for a couple of signed footballs. <laughs> oh, my and gosh. None really? None of this would have happened. And I'm positive of it. Wow. Beardsley was such a weirdo. He believed that... The mayor of Burbank, a female, was out to assassinate him. Okay, this is how <laughs> nuts this guy Beardsley was. When I heard the uh, headlines of the Las Vegas event, when I heard O.J. arrested in memorabilia heist in Las Vegas, I knew instantly, oh, my God, it's got to be Beardsley and Riccio. 
And Beardsley called me at least a dozen times the day after, desperately asking for my advice. And the bizarre part is I hated this guy. (laughs) And he thought I was his best friend. I mean, that's how strange this whole thing is. Riccio, by the way, is the true villain in in the entire situation. Riccio absolutely set OJ up. He got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars from TMZ for that audio recording. And the only reason, according to Beardsley, Riccio was recording all this, which was the only evidence to put OJ away, was because he knew that every time he dealt with Beardsley, he had to record it because of that original schism that was created when I disrupted the first autograph session that Beardsley (laughs) and Riccio tried to to do in Burbank, California. So the lesson of all this, the lesson of all this is when you put bad people under pressure, eventually they will break. Mm-hmm. And effectively what Jeffy. happened here was that OJ fumbled. OJ, OJ was under good. enormous pressure over a long period of time, fumbled and legally created enormous, very serious crimes for which he should have been convicted, was convicted and, and should be punished. Now I'm the first person to acknowledge that anybody else not named O.J. Simpson not be in jail now under these circumstances would be easily paroled today. Yes, I'm rooting for no parole because he clearly killed two people. And you know what? As much as I believe in principle, this is one of those unique you situations say it again? where yeah. we allow yeah, an injustice did. to continue to make up for a larger one that happened. <laughs> yeah, because that is it is an interesting. We've talked. We've had a conversation about that over over this uh, in this as this has developed. And that really, he probably did go to jail for too long for this particular crime. However, I mean, you know, it's a makeup crime, it right? It's, kind of, it's a, it or a, makeup a makeup sentence. Call. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, however, they, it's within the range of uh, of uh, punishments, and they take you know into account not necessarily the murder uh, charges, but domestic violence is something that they did know about on record. Um, and so you wonder if you know, with him seemingly going to get out today, he's speaking in front, uh, he's, they're having the hearing uh, as we speak. And by the way, he is not as fat as was reported. I was, that's no, what I've been sitting great. here thinking the whole yeah. time, is he looks better than he did in 1995. He looks yeah. really good. He looks great. He didn't gain 300 pounds. Yeah. He, what are they talking about? He does look pretty good, actually. Oh, OJ's g- gained a concern. You won't even recognize him. He, what? He looks about the same. <laughs> <laughs> he looks great. I, well, I'll have to show you some pictures here uh, yeah. when, when we, uh, when we, when we do get them. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that question now, John. I apologize for it. So let's move on to... Uh, let's well, move can we just remember, though, I realize that there's a lot of funny elements of this. Yeah. No. The guy, the, the guy brutally killed oh. two people. Whoa, 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 whoa. John. <laughs> Sorry, John. Need I remind John. you a second time, the man was found not guilty of those We've crimes. we let you throw it off the cuff a couple wow. times already. I, he, <laughs> I mean... Couple times. It is true. It, it is true. You do forget about it. It feels like it's you just do a forget stupid about movie. It, uh, it yeah. feels like a, it's a and dumb here's the problem, John. And I, I don't, I don't know if you grew up watching the guy, but I, you know, right. I, I, I did, and I, I just kind of idolized O.J. Simpson. I, I thought he was phenomenal, and it's, it's hard to get over that. It's hard to get out. You know, I, I thought at the very beginning there was no way this guy did it. As the evidence continued to un, unroll and and reveal itself, obviously we all came to the same conclusion that he did in fact do it. Ooh. But you still have that lingering 
I don't know, O.J. Simpson adoration there that, uh, at least for me, it's been hard to get past. I I loved O.J. probably as much as you did uh, as a kid. Um, I did a book report in uh, second or third grade where he was on the cover uh, of it, uh, a very uh, crude drawing in his Buffalo Bill uniform. I was very upset by what happened, uh, but it is obvious that he's guilty. And uh, and by, and, and if, as if it's not bad enough that he killed two innocent people, by the way, leaving his children to, to yeah. be the most likely people to find them. Um, yeah. But in that heist in Las Vegas, he didn't just take back his own stuff. He also took uh, Pete Rose autographed baseballs. And if that's not enough oh, uh, wow. in prison, then I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, uh, so what we, I mean, dating Kim Goldman, what, what's it like with the family? What, I mean, because they have been so diligent over such a long period of time to try to hold him responsible for this. And it really is admirable because, I mean, you'd think you'd get to that point where you just didn't want to think about it anymore and didn't want to deal with it. And they have this entire time stayed strong and tried to hold him responsible for these crimes. What is it like with the family behind the scenes? Well, uh, I have a lot of admiration for Kim, and uh, we were very, very close for a fairly significant period of time. Uh, you know, she is a single mom. Uh, frankly, Kim's life has had more trauma than almost anybody else I know if you take away the fact that her brother was murdered by mm. O.J. Simpson. Mm. Uh, she's had a very difficult life, uh, she, and I admire her and her, uh, her father, uh, Fred, for not giving up on this. Uh, they have never wavered. And they, by the way, the other thing that they don't get enough credit for is they've never really made any major mistakes despite having an enormous uh, amount of, of opportunity to do so. Uh, and so it's not just the fact that they haven't given up. Uh, they have always remembered what the, the ultimate goal here is, and, um, and I, I have a lot of respect for them. She, she, and I are, she and I are not as close now that I'm married, no, yeah. which is kind of, kind of natural, although she did attend the wedding, um, which my wife was not particularly happy about, but that's another story <laughs> for another day. Wait, well, who invited her? Did she just show up? No, I, I invite. No, no, I invite. Okay. okay. <laughs> and happy to have her there because I consider her a friend. And I, I as you guys know, I don't, I don't think very highly of human beings, but I, I do think uh, well of the Goldmans because they have handled adversity uh, better than almost anybody else I, I know of. So, so you have a minute to talk to talk about Donald Trump here before as we move on and switch topics. Uh, Trump. Uh, this kind of goes back to the the whole email thing with Donald Trump Jr. and. I think there have been some developments since that email where the media is kind of getting a little too excited and a little ahead of themselves. However, th we cannot dismiss this email. This is a big deal. It was, I don't know about you, and, and we've both been uh, on this bandwagon and being very skeptical of the Trumps and thinking, uh, you know, a lot of times that they're not credible people at all. I never thought we'd see an email that outlined an, an attempted collusion, uh, their attempt at collusion with the Russians to try to get dirt on Hillary Clinton. I didn't think we'd ever get that type of evidence in this thing. We did get it. And you wrote a column about how, you know, look, we got to be honest about it. Uh, Donald Trump senior uh, also knew about this meeting. Well, if you use logic and, and you have your eyes open and you're not part of the state-run media, uh, formerly known as the conservative media, uh, then anybody with half a brain knows he has to be lying. I mean, you, all you have to do is understand who Donald Trump is. And you also have to understand the circumstances of June of last year. This was a campaign that was known for being renegade, seat of its pants, react on the spot. The center of it was Donald Trump. It was all about Donald Trump. 
he uh, and here's a guy who's not exactly known for standing on rules or protocol or being disciplined. I mean, he tweets at all hours of the night about information on which he's basing stuff people told him that's not even been vetted. So this is not an organization that would be remotely traditional where they might get an email like this his son might get an email and go you know we really need to maintain plausible <laughs> deniability and not tell dad about this but i'm gonna get i'm gonna get the son-in-law i'm gonna get the campaign manager i'm gonna get now we know after the lies that don told originally two people that don don senior don Tr donald trump the president knew previously from the miss universe pageant we're gonna get them all together where in Trump Tower on a day when Trump is there and we're not going to tell him anything about this because what bad could happen if he finds out about it later? Here's, here's the real proof that we know Trump knew because Trump's current story is there was nothing wrong with the meeting. Now, think about it. If he thinks there's nothing wrong with the meeting, Don Jr. has said there's nothing wrong with the meeting, how do you not tell Donald Trump, presidential candidate, that this meeting has happened. This is effectively, as I wrote in the column, like if you got an email from Tiger Woods offering free golf lessons to Donald Trump, or if a Victoria's Secret model was interested in modeling uh, Make America Great Again swag, uh, this would be instantaneous. Oh my God, Dad, can you believe <laughs> that the Russians want to help us win? This is awesome. Uh, that's the Oxum's razor view of what happened here. And I actually think, Stu, and I'm curious what you guys think about this, because to, I think there was a hidden bombshell in all the stuff that came out yesterday. In that Trump interview, he seems to say that it would have been legitimate for Jeff Sessions to recuse himself back when he picked him as attorney general. That was November of last year. Mm. In November of last year, we didn't know all, any of the things that eventually caused his recusal unless Trump already knew about them then. Mm. Now, that to me, is as close as we've come to an admission of guilt from the President of the United States in this entire circumstance. And my concern is not, was there collusion during the campaign? That is a potential crime. It's serious. I'm interested in it. But my primary focus is, do we have a President of the United States who is so compromised by Vladimir Putin and by Russia that he is effectively, if not literally, blackmailed. And I think we are very close to a situation where a logical person can easily come to that conclusion. And that is scary as heck. Mm, I mean, because we're, we're at the point, too, John, where if we get to, let's say we get an email and we find an email that has Donald Trump Jr. telling his dad, by the way, uh, we're going to meet with these people uh, and they're going to give us dirt on Hillary. You should announce it in a speech, which he he did tease information around this time. We don't know if it was the exact same information. But like if even if that happened, I, I feel like the people who are defending him now wouldn't change their mind at all on this stuff. Oh, oh no, the, the cult would never change their mind. I mean, heck, the cult doesn't even believe that Don Jr. held the meeting, according to a recent poll. And he's, and he's and he's the one admitting it. It's funny you mentioned the emails. We are living in a world where email runs everything, right? Yet we have a president of the United States who got largely elected because his opponent did a poor job of handling her emails, and he's safe because he doesn't do email. <laughs> and so so that's, 
Donald Trump's greatest attribute in surviving this scandal is that he doesn't do email. He's like the only person in America who doesn't do email. Mm. In fact, I actually have a I know this personally because when I met with him outside of the Today Show and I did a, a, an interview on the whole Penn State Sandusky case, I met with him. He was actually a supporter of my work and he wanted to send me a note of support. And I realized because of the way this went down, he, he doesn't do email. What he has is he has his people send you a hard copy of the note and uh, via email and then ask you, would you like it in the mail? I said, sure, send me in the mail. Who, who knows? You know, this, this autograph might be valuable someday. Yeah. Well, that I know two years later, he's president of the United States, but he doesn't do email. And that's the greatest thing he has going for him right now, which is pretty much telling you everything we need to know about how strange this story is. Mm. Um, well, before you go, John, uh, we, uh, we have had released pictures of the uh, HBO uh, Penn State Movie coming out. Uh, I'm sure you have super have you been, high hopes for this. Have one, you right? been consulted? Uh, shockingly, no. <laughs> um, uh, interestingly, this uh, well, this HBO thing is going to be a complete catastrophe. Yeah. It will be a, a fictional, uh, mythological uh, view of what really happened in the Penn State case. If people really want to know the truth, which you guys have been tremendous in uh, in helping uh, people learn about, just go to my website, <clears throat> framingturno.com. Um, interestingly, though, there are some discussions here in Hollywood about uh, doing a, a documentary uh, in, a, in a very big way about the real story here. I, I don't know whether anyone will have the guts to do it, uh, but we're still hoping, and maybe this HBO thing, I'm actually hoping this HBO thing is going to be as bad as I expected, because then eventually the real story will come out and everyone will be incredibly embarrassed, and uh, it'll make um, the vindication all that much better. Although that's me being super optimistic for me, <laughs> not, known, not known for my optimism. No. By, the way, Shining one through. Thing I'm, by the way, one other thing I'm plugging while I'm plugging, yeah, yeah, please. This, this, this weekend on my podcast, I got a very special guest you guys have heard of before. Mm-hmm. Glenn Beck is going to be the oh, guest on my, my nice. podcast this, uh, this weekend. So um, hmm. by uh, Sunday, go to freespeechbroadcasting.com and uh, you'll have my interview with Glenn Beck. Uh, and you, right. there's still time to cancel that, John. You can still get out of it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> John Ziegler. I'm actually uh, looking forward to it. Great talking to you guys as always. You too. It'll be great. Go read his stuff on Media Eye and, of course, freespeechbroadcasting.com for the podcast with Glenn Beck this weekend. Uh, John Ziegler, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, the Trump stuff's interesting because, I mean, it's, we, you try to operate in the world of having all the evidence before these things are proved out, and we do this with Trump. It's a silly game with him because we all know he obviously knew about this. Yes. We all know it, but, like, until we have the, you know, some direct, co you know, confirmation of it, we, we don't allow ourselves to admit it. He does the exact opposite standard. You know, he, everyone's guilty in his eyes from the second uh, he decides, you know, uh, about something. Everyone has done the thing that he believes that they've done, whatever serves him best. Uh, and it's, it's, it's interesting to see the media struggle with that because the media tries to lock him down on these facts. When, and, and as soon as they do, what happens? They, he just moves on to the next thing. Yep. Um, I mean, like just... He's a master at that. I mean, it's, it's hard to... This stuff moves so fast. A week and a half ago, Pat... Neither one of us believed we'd ever see a piece of evidence, like an email confirming a meeting in which they intended to get evidence from the Russians with backing from the Russian government, as described in the email as if it was a trap, right? Mm -hmm. Never in a million years did I think we'd see something like that. I know. I'm not surprised it happened, but I am surprised that we actually uh, saw an email like that. And here we are a week and a half later. It's not even a story. It's like gone. It's incredible uh, how fast this stuff moves.
727 Beck, more patents too, coming up in a second. OJ still talking. We'll monitor it and give you the details here. Actually, he claims not to have even pulled a gun. He didn't even have a gun. He's, he's saying. Mm. Uh, is that true? Do you know about that, Chevy? Is that, is that right? Sports Illustrated, O.J. Simpson's NFL pension, about $25,000 a month. Can you live on something like that? $300,000 a year. I mean... Why is his pension so large? I don't know. I guess that's what you get. And there there was also reports that he had a pension uh, with the Screen Actors Guild as well. Yeah. With some money that he put well, in the And, past, and so. here's another thing is typical unions have somehow fought for the, I mean, I'm blaming mm-hmm. unions with no evidence here, <laughs> but it, the typical <laughs> unions to fight to protect uh, convicted criminals from getting their pension touched. Yeah. Well, why good. on earth does he not, why doesn't he have to give every dime of that pension to the Goldman family until it's paid off? How is he supposed to live? I'm not really concerned about it, but if you want to mm-hmm. give him $30,000 to live on, I'm okay. I'm going to give him one of those months to figure out a way to live through the year, fine. How, how, what, what kind of rule is it that he gets to just spend that? That is bizarre. I mean, what, could you classify it as a pension? You can't touch it? I really don't know the details I'm asking. But I, I, mean, what, that's, I believe that's that what they do, That is bizarre. Yeah. They, should, they should get every dime of that. And, and you know, when you want to have a, 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 a moment where you say, okay, he needs to, he needs to live, you move to a cheap area, you, you rent the cheapest place you can find, uh, you live very low, you're very low-key, if you're out of prison in the first place. And then after that, uh, every dime goes to the Goldman family. And that's not going to happen. That's not how this no is going to play that's out. Jay Simpson. He, he's going to live in a really nice place and have a really nice life. He's, I mean, he's, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for a 70-year-old man who set the uh, lifetime record for double murders in an NFL season. I, mean, I don't know about that. You know, <laughs> let's not go crazy. You only had one. There's got to be somebody. Were there, was there anybody else with more? Well, Gonzalez. How many people? Well, he only murdered. Uh, he only murdered one. That one. he's convicted for, right? Yep. Um, there's got to be somebody who's killed more than two people. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> really? I don't. Not that I know of. In a single, I think he in holds a single the season. NFL record for I murders. Think he does. I yeah, in a single season. <laughs> I mean, have you watched the NFL? Uh, there's a lot of murderers. I have. Uh, Are there a lot well, of murderers? Ray, there was a drive-by guy, there right? Was a Ray, there's Ray Carruth, right? He had. Uh, yeah, he, he that was a, a weird thing. Uh, there was a, the accused, a Hall of Famer. Uh, what's his face? Um, Ray Lewis. Uh, who was right. a but he didn't actually do yeah, it. Yeah, but he think, didn't do necessi- it. Well, although some people think he did, but he didn't necessarily yeah. do it. And he's there was a lot of a lot of a you know, vehicular uh, homicide, manslaughter type uh, situations that have mm-hmm. certainly happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any off the top of my head that were a double murder because Ray. Now Ray Carruth killed. If I remember, if I'm remembering him correctly, he was the one that did. He shot his gr- pregnant girlfriend. So that would be a That's double. That's a double, murder, technically. If, I, okay. if, if I'm remembering that story yeah, correctly. Yeah. Um, but uh, you're right. There's, uh, he'd still tie the record if, if right, I'm right. Right. Yeah, not, probably not a lot of NFL players have had two double murders. <laughs> so he probably is at least tied the record. Uh, um, He's I, co-owner of the record. Yes. Can we at least agree on that? I think we can agree that? there. And then we'll, okay. we'll, we'll move on to ch- do some But I will checking. say this, too, about OJ. Uh, he looks great 
for he a seventy-year-old man. He looks good. He's in really good he, shape. He looks. He still looks like the juice. He looks like he's I don't know forty-five or fifty instead of seventy. Yeah, I, I would agree. He does not look seventy at all. Jeez. And, uh, he's in good shape. Looks like uh, he's uh, thinner than well, certainly last time I saw him. Definitely. Um, there was a report that he was going to weigh three hundred and fifty pounds. He's and, nowhere close to no, that. Nowhere he's close. Maybe two hundred pounds. I mean, he looks like he's in playing shape almost. Yeah. And, I, and I hate to be a downer on the story, but uh, the. Uh, Yes. The son in Ray Carew's uh, pregnant girlfriend, uh, he survived. Oh, good, good, good. So, it's not a downer, so Jeff. OJ happy. holds so the record the by himself. <laughs> by himself! I mean, Ray, okay. Ray still killed the girlfriend and attempted <laughs> but he didn't. to kill them both. But okay. And can you believe off. that OJ Simpson remains in the NFL Hall of Fame? Pete Rose, who can't get it over oh, all oh. the love of heaven, actually yeah. bet on a game. Who Ziegler was pissed off about that OJ took some of his stuff, the Pete Rose Pisses stuff. He can't get in the Hall of Fame. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. There is more patent stew, including uh, a we... very special alcoholic spoons. Oh uh, yeah! We're gonna drink on the air. I can't participate in. No. Mm-hmm. You know, we do spoons every day. Every yeah. day we do it. It's usually yeah. me, you, and Jeffy, isn't it? Like usually, yes, me, you, usually. and Jeffy only. Usually. It's not usually a lot right. of people who would stop by. Yeah, huh. there seems to be Weird. more people in the room than normal right now. Uh, why is that? We really like you guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, that's nice. Nice. That's nice. You like us when we're serving alcohol. <laughs> well, maybe not Zima, but you know. Today's taste test is, of course, Zima. Now, Zima is a really crappy 90s beverage that is being re-released here. Uh, is it really crappy? It's I mean, not good? I, it went off the market. It was not a success, I would say. I remember thinking of it back in the day as alcoholic Sprite. Um, oh, yeah? That's how I remember it tasting. Now, it's been a long time. Now, Jason, you uh, were trying to find it this weekend. I went everywhere. I went to liquor stores. I went to Walmarts. <laughs> I was tweeting fans, and they were like, go here, go here. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Supposedly, these things sold out within an hour of everywhere oh, I went wow. when they first were delivered. Yeah. I really? Mean, there's a little retro feel uh, of it, you know, and, and I remember it was Cult a... classic Zima. Did you get... Uh, they had Zima Gold for a couple of years as well, which was... Uh, it was... None of it was good, but I figured we'd, we'd try it, and we actually got the, the Jolly Ranchers, which was an, a weird addition. I don't remember this part of it, but you could put the Jolly Ranchers in to get a flavored Zima yeah. after a while. So I think we should all try it, Sarah. Try Brandon, it without, right? Uh, for, let's try it And first. then I'm going to try my... Uh, and you got Since I don't drink alcohol. Used to put in. Uh, berry Cream Goody Blue Pop. <laughs> all right. Goody Blue Pop. There you go. There you go. A little... Uh, oh, yeah. That is refreshing citrus a callback to mm. childhood. No. You know, it is, it's closer to... I don't know. <laughs> it's not good. It's kind of like oh, M- let's, let's it's not out. good. It's, it's not. Yeah. I don't know how to describe. It tastes like it. MD I stand by my original statement that uh, that it's gross water with tang to it. Gross water with, with tang. tang. That's interesting. It does not taste like the alcoholic sprite that Try I Try it with the yeah. little candies. In oh yeah. So we have a Jolly Rancher. See if that helps. This is a little thing. So you put the Jolly Rancher actually in the liquid. Jeffy, how did you feel about it? It was all right. That tasted like the uh, what's the old thing? MD twenty twenty, the Mad Dog drinks that we used yeah. to drink. I oh, don't remember that. That was bad. And these <laughs> yeah, Jolly Ranchers. I, I remember Mad Dog. Oh yeah. Oh no. A little overflow. You needed to oh, drink it does a little pop. bit more. The, uh, it does fizz. Oh look at that. That's kind of cool. Look at that. That's really cool. And that's uh. Wow. That's so it does kind of act it, like you know a Mentos or something. It improves the drink significantly. I mean, let's hope so. Oh, it does? It improves the drink significantly. Huh. Well, I think so. That's interesting. Yeah. 
So know. now, would you mm. would you like it then? No. No. <laughs> no that improves the drink a you lot. You taste it a little bit. Yeah. yeah and I actually... bet uh, the longer you let it sit, yeah, yeah. simmer, yeah. you're going to taste more of it. Oh, that's a good mm -hmm. point. Okay. we got to let it breathe. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> now, we have a scale here on spoons. Uh, it's a 1 to 18. Uh, Jeffy uh, is the highest number he knows, so that's why we ended it there. <laughs> uh, so let's go through the room and, and how you feel about this uh, wonderful Zima product. Uh, Jeffy, do you want to start us off? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. This is a callback to my childhood. Mm -hmm. I'll give it a very high 13. If there was some really? early no. 90s Fake music knows. playing, like some, Fake I don't knows. know, some Millie Vanilli, I would shoot this to 18. Now, we don't have any the, rights for any of that because our budget is $6. So <laughs> we cannot play it would have that. that close to 18. That have, that's interesting. Okay, uh, Sarah. Sarah. That is way too subjective. <laughs> I'm going to be the objective person and say probably a 3. Oh my God! Wow. No, wow. Three. Sarah. Sorry, I don't know if anybody's, heard. if anybody's interested in my berry cream blue pie. I actually am more interested. <laughs> I do want to know how that is. I do kind of want to go. I'd give it like a twelve. Oh really? Oh, uh -huh. Wow! I'd rather have the That's blueberry pie. Mm -hmm. uh, Brennan. Yeah. So I, I'm going to have to give it two different ratings. Without the Jolly Rancher, mm. it's about a two. Oh, With the Jolly Rancher, I'm going to bump it up to a five. Wow. 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 crazy, Brandon. Potentially the most distinguished uh, rating I feel like we've ever received yeah, here. Um, let me try give it, it Give it one with and without. Okay, let me give, a, let me give a, uh, one more taste here. That's <sighs> yeah, not good. Your face says it all. Uh, yeah, mm. I, would, I would say um, I'll, go, uh, I'll give it a four. Uh, with the candy? Without the candy. And then I'll, I'll give it a five with the candy. Jesus, Though I feel like hurt. I could right. get to a six if I let this whole thing dissolve. I also kind of want to like lower it down to a three just for the cough drop aftertaste. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, like the NyQuil, not That's cough nasty. drop, NyQuil aftertaste. All right, nasty. we'll be back in a second. Thank you, everybody. This segment brought to you by Ice Cold Zima with green Jolly Ranchers in it. That's what we drink here on set, except for Pat, who drinks some blue soda that I've never heard of. And sadly, none of it's really ice cold either. No, so. it's not. And that, uh, that's another Marissa yeah, failure. That's a, that's uh, a failure. Again. That's mean, another failure. Here we are. We're, we're, we're trying to drink <laughs> on the job, but we can't even get that right. Uh, pretty, pretty embarrassing. Um, All right. What so, do you have here? Something unique, right? So, yeah. Let me. Uh, this is a really cool story. I love this story. It, have you ever heard of the movie called The Room? Either one of you guys? Mm, I don't think okay, so. Okay, you, you've seen it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It is uh, thought of as one of the worst movies of all time. The Room? Yes, The Room. Hmm. You might be thinking the of another worst. movie called The Room. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it was about a, some really weird guy who somehow came up with like a million dollars to make this movie, and no one really knows why. And the dialogue, he put himself in it. The dialogue is horrific. Mm -hmm. He was a terrible a actor. Okay, a different room. So... It's so bad and because it's become a cult classic that now there's a new real studio movie being made about the, the making of The Room. The new movie is called The Disaster Artist. Watch. Ready and action. What line? What a line? I did not hit her. It's not true. It's I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Okay. Action. What is line? <laughs> Take 13. Action. I did not hit her. I... Okay, okay. Line. 
I did not hit her. It's not true. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Take 67. Action. I hit her. No. Do you want to change the line? You're doing great, man. We'll get there. Action. 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 You have to say aloud. I can't hear it in here. Say action so I can hear her. Okay. So th that scene action. in particular is great. Look at the notice the green screen. I did not hit screen. her. It's not true. It's I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> I can't wait to see this. So uh, the, it is a real wow. movie you can watch. It is as bad as that feels. You see the green screen kind of behind. This was mm -hmm. a scene that was done on a roof. And so instead of actually just filming it on a roof, they got a green screen in this real wall. So the background looks completely fake the whole time. I mean, it's an absolutely amazing uh, movie to watch because... Kind of brings you through, like, this guy who somehow got a bunch of money and wanted to put himself in this movie. The, the dialogue is, it doesn't make any sense at all. Well, you kind of see there that yeah. it's pretty bad. It's really bad. The storyline makes no <laughs> sense. There's really, like, weird moments where they just show strange things that are out of sequence. And somehow mm -hmm. it got released. And, I mean, it was like a, he spent a decent amount of money on it. Anyway, uh, I actually talked to a guy who was an expert on the, the history of this movie, and I think may have been working on this one as well, uh, on The Wonderful World of Stu. If you haven't seen this before, I think you'll watch this interview and want to watch the real movie. Check it out. There are many bad movies out there. Mamma Mia, Devil Wears Prada. Ricky and the Flash. The common denominator there, of course, Meryl Streep. Everyone knows that. But Meryl isn't actually involved in the worst movie ever made. That award goes to Tommy Wiseau, the man who wrote, produced, and directed, and starred in a little movie called The Room. Here to tell us about the history behind this disastrous film and why people all over the world love to hate it is the director of the upcoming documentary, Room Full of Spoons, Rick Harper. Oh, hi, Rick. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Uh, this, I, I, I'm fascinated by this movie. I saw it pretty recently, I guess. You know, I, I go back years and years and years with the movie. So, f first of all, for people who haven't seen us, seen it, walk us through this, the plot, if you can, of the movie called The Room. Okay, so The Room is uh, a love triangle between three characters. You have Johnny, who's a banker, uh, his future wife, Lisa, and then his best friend, Mark. Mm -hmm. So Johnny is, of course, played by Tommy Wiseau. The, uh, you know, the, he's the actor, the producer, the director, the writer. He is basically the room. Uh, there's some subplots in there that have to do with drug abuse, and his mother-in-law gets breast cancer, and uh, all types of things happen in the room. But it's just basically... Uh, it's one big mess in uh, 99 minutes. Because <laughs> there are, is some of the most inexplicable dialogue that I have ever seen in any movie in the room. How was work today? Oh, pretty good. We got a new client, and the bank will make a lot of money. What client? I cannot tell you. It's confidential. Oh, come on. Why not? No, I can't. Anyway, how is your sex life? The breast cancer thing is an interesting one to bring up because at one point, the, we just find out the mom is dying of breast cancer in, a, in about a 10-second scene, and it's never mentioned again in the entire rest of the movie. I got the results of the test back. 
I definitely have breast cancer. There's so many of these things. Do you have any idea what they were actually attempting to do here? Uh, I always got the impression that Tommy Wiseau was trying to tell a genuine story. You know, I think that it just got lost in translation somewhere and you're trying to fit too much into this 99 minutes and it just came out to be what it is. So, of course, you have the story of, uh, you know, I, I think the story he was really trying to get out there was the, the love triangle and the betrayal. Of course, he portrays himself as being this heroic person, uh, you know, everybody's favorite customer and, and the nicest guy in the world and everybody in the movie betrays him. But, uh, you know, the breast cancer stuff, the... The, the, uh, all those scenes that basically come to a, a cul-de-sac at the end and just are never explained, I, I have no explanation for that, Stu. <laughs> There's one scene in the movie where uh, Tommy comes home and his, wi his wife-to-be, Lisa, is sitting there, and she's, she's excited to see him, supposedly, at this moment, and says, hey, honey, do you want a pizza? In which he responds, uh, I don't know. And then she says, I already ordered a pizza. And it's... <laughs> I, it's, it's, without watching it, it's impossible to describe, but it, it doesn't seem like he was... Was he familiar fully with the language as he was writing the movie, or is he, is he just not a, a very good storyteller? Why, why do these things stand out so much? I think it's a combination of factors, yeah. I mean, he's definitely not the best actor in the world. You are lying. I never hit you. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! <laughs> and I think any time an actor or a director or a writer tries to do it all, just really tries to to just be a, a one-man show and just be, a, you know, the jack-of-all-trade filmmaker, the result sort of speaks for itself and then turns out something like this. Now, there's, of course, something magical about The Room where all the stars aligned and just made it what it is. You know, it's just so perfectly disastrous. Yeah, because uh, it accomplishes something that a lot of people want to accomplish, which is you want to have something that that, you know, feels like it was made in an incompetent fashion, which there's a funny charm to that. And The Room does it because it doesn't try to do it. It's just it's just the way the movie is, and it feels that way. Did you come across this movie, you know, in a, in a way where you were looking at it with that sort of uh, from those uh, through those eyes, or did you just see this movie randomly? What was your first experience with it? Um, it was sold to me as being the worst movie ever made, so that's why I watched it. The first time I watched it was uh, was at home, actually, and I watched it alone, which is in itself an interesting experience. And um, because when the movie starts, I mean, the opening montage is really beautiful, all those establishing shots of San Francisco, the music is really nice, so your initial feeling is this can't possibly be the worst movie ever made until Tommy walks through the door and says, Hi, babe. And then it's over. <laughs> There, it's all downhill, and then you then then you understand everything. There are so many bizarre things. For example, and this goes to the title uh, of of your documentary, "Room Full of Spoons." In about half the movie, maybe even more, there is a a picture on the table of just a spoon. I have one here that kind of looks just like it. It's like this. This is just. In as if it's someone just put it, it was like a, a picture of their daughter, except it's a picture of a spoon. Do you have any idea why the spoon is there and how did that get into the title of your film? Yeah, so, well, we interviewed, uh, of course, everyone who had anything really to do with the movie. And one story that was told to us by a crew member is that um, when they were filming it, they were just looking for stuff to decorate the room with. Because, of course, this was not, it wasn't filmed in a real house, it was all a set. And when he asked for uh, the, um, the set decorator, 
to get um, some picture frames or whatever. They just put the frames up there with the marketing still in it. So this is basically what you would buy at a store. Usually they have like a fake family in it. These ones just happen to have spoons and they put them in the movie. Now, one of the rituals when watching the room with a large crowd or in a theater is that whenever you see these picture frames, you're supposed to throw plastic spoons at the screen. <laughs> so the title of the documentary is, of course, a play on the, uh, on the name of the movie, Room, and then Room Full of Spoons, because at the end of the movie, you're left with a room full of spoons <laughs> in the, the cinema. <laughs> it's fantastic. What about the other actors on the set? Were they kind of aware as to what was going on, that this maybe wasn't a great movie? Did they have any idea as to how this thing was turning out? I've spoken to everyone who's in that movie, and the general consensus is that they all knew that they were making this horrible movie. <laughs> to, a, to a point where even uh, the actor, uh, Scott Holmes, who plays Mike, you know, the guy that makes the funny faces? Yes, yes. But as far as to say that he's like, I was just making those faces on purpose to crack up the crew because he just knew that this was a horrible movie and he thought no one was ever going to see it, you know, right. stuff like that. So for the most part, I think everybody knew that this was just going to be a horrible movie. They were getting well paid and they just figured, let's just have fun. Um, so let me, let me run a couple other things by because I'm fascinated by this. There's, a, there's lengthy scenes where they are on this roof and in the background is obviously green screened, uh, cityscapes in the background. Now, green screen is a typical thing. I mean, we use it on this show sometimes. Um, it's fun, and you can do a lot of stuff with it, especially cheaply. But in a movie where you're spending $6 million, why didn't they just go to an actual roof? Um, again, one of the crew members told me that uh, he was told the day before by Tommy Wiseau that uh, he needed to shoot. Now, of course, the film was shot in L.A., and he was told the day before that, okay, well, uh, on tomorrow's scene, we're going to be filming it on a rooftop in San Francisco. So that's not something that's really easy to do, and that's something that's quite costly to fly a whole film set to San Francisco overnight. So that's why they just had the set decorators come in and just build like a three-foot-high brick wall and just green screen the whole thing, and then they ended up sending just a few people to San Francisco to uh, shoot the rooftops and stuff like that. The end result wasn't very good, but uh, I guess it maybe it avoided him from having to spend $7 million instead of six. <laughs> All right, so another thing uh, that happens throughout the movie are these really odd football, uh, thro like throwing around the football. Got to tell you about something. Shoot, Danny. It's about Lisa. Go on. She's beautiful. She looks great in a red dress. I think I'm in love with her. And like, you know, it's, okay, I get the idea that Guys throwing around the football, having conversations, which are oftentimes very erratic and going from very serious to very funny topics is so strange. But it also looked like the only guy who had ever thrown a football before in his life was Tommy's best friend. Um, everyone else looked like they had never touched a football before. Why are they playing football so much throughout the movie? I think Tommy just loves football. <laughs> Maybe he thinks that, uh, that that's like the, you know, what what uh, like the, the number one uh, American pastime or, or, or the way that uh, that men bond or something like that. Mm. But uh, I know that the script supervisor said that he would get very specific instruction, things like uh, Denny must always carry a football. And, uh, you know, like even in the tuxedo scene, you know, he would say like, okay, well, what are we doing next? It's like, oh, let's just play football and just one of some of those like spur of the moment things. So weird. Okay. Uh, so last, last question for you. 
a lot of people call The Room the worst movie of all time. Uh, you were sold uh, as The Room the worst movie of all time the first time you saw it. Do you believe that? And if not, why? It's hard to call it the worst movie of all times. I mean, if, if we think of what, uh, you know, mainstream people would think is the best movie of all time, maybe like a Citizen Kane or, or Dr. Zhivago or like a Paul Thomas Anderson film or something like that, even those, you'll only watch it once, twice, maybe three times. I mean, me personally, I've seen The Room probably 40 times. I've met with people who've seen The Room 100 times, so how can you call it the worst movie? I think we just don't really know what to call it. It's like a very arts, it's, you know, it's an artsy film. It's not, uh, it's, it's a very uh, unconventionally made movie. Technically, it's, it's really bad, but there's something that really draws us to it. And, uh, you know, I, I guess for people who call it the worst movie ever made, like, you, you really got to ask yourself, you know, does the worst movie ever made, can it really have millions of fans? This is really cool. Rick Harper, the director of Room Full of Spoons, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you so much.